Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lori Vallow was in her own apartment in Rexburg, Idaho, when J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan died in the apartment of Alex Cox. Lori was in Hawaii when Tammy Daybell died at the home of Chad Daybell. It is a deep dive into some of the major moments from the defense in the Lori Vallow Daybell criminal trial. Can they convince the jury that their client is not a murderer? Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. From streaming Law & Crime on your TV to watching our videos on Facebook and TikTok, you know that sound and audio quality is super important so you can hear all the facts. And that is why we want to talk to you right now about Raycon. Raycon is on a mission to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair of earbuds and a spare one and still pay less than you would with some of the other big name tech brands out there. These earbuds are water and sweat resistant. They have three customizable sound profiles. They have those custom gel tips for that perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit. They're great to use for working out, traveling on your commute, or, you know, just listening to our sidebar podcast while you're doing stuff around the house. You can get your own pair and 15% off by clicking in the description box or by going to buyraycon.com slash law. Plus get free domestic or flat fee international shipping all brought to you by Raycon. As we continue our coverage and analysis of the Lori Vallow Daybell trial, we have been focusing so much on the prosecution's case and the impact each witness has had, but now it's time to reverse it. Let's talk about how the defense has been doing in this trial. And we want to highlight some of the big takeaways since the beginning of this case. But first, a recap. The 49-year-old doomsday mother is currently on trial in Idaho and faces life in prison on first-degree murder and conspiracy charges in connection with the deaths of her children, 7-year-old J.J. Vallow and 16-year-old Tylee Ryan, as well as 49-year-old Tammy Daybell. This is the deceased wife of Lori's co-defendant and current husband, Chad Daybell. Now, while the bodies of her children were found on Chad's property, he's facing similar charges, by the way, he'll be tried at a later date. Tammy, it was initially believed, died in her sleep from natural causes, but a further investigation revealed that she had been murdered, died by asphyxiation at the hands of another. That's according to prosecutors. Now, the theory put forward by the prosecutors is that Lori did this for several reasons. One, was to be with Chad, who she was having an affair with. Two, for financial gain, in other words, to obtain the proceeds of Social Security and life insurance benefits from the victim's deaths. And three, that she and Chad felt justified through their extreme religious beliefs, that there were these dark spirits, good versus evil, that the kids were possessed. You get the idea. Now, here is the complication for the prosecution and something that is being exploited by the defense. The charges. You see, she's facing first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder for the deaths of the kids and conspiracy to commit murder in the death of Tammy. But it is not so simple. In fact, 
It is a bit complicated. Listen to defense attorney Jim Archibald in his opening statement talking a little bit more about that. So Chad Daybell is not on trial here. Alex Cox is not on trial here. He's deceased. Other co-conspirators, I don't know much about that, both known and unknown. So, again, your focus will be on the actions of Lori, not on Chad, not on Act, not on Alex, not on co-conspirators, both known and unknown. And the charge that the judge read to you was Lori Vallow concerned in the commission of first-degree murder. Did or did she aid and abet? Did she assist somehow? Or, the language of the charge says, or not being present. Did she advise and encourage it to happen? Or, by command, compelled another? So, this, this charge is, did she kill? Or, did she assist? Or did she encourage? Or did she command? So in other words, this charge is saying they're not sure what happened, but yet they want you to be sure. So that's the challenge here for you is you're going to be given all these alternatives and you're going to have to be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. So what's he saying? He is saying, okay, you are going to hear allegations about Chad. You're going to hear allegations about Alex Cox, Lori's deceased brother, who it seems the evidence is pointing to being the person that actually carried out the killings. But just because the evidence is strong against these men doesn't mean that it is strong against Lori. This is about what she allegedly did, not them. This may have been her husband. This may have been her brother. It doesn't mean she's complicit. And I think what more importantly Archibald is saying is that, look, the prosecution has charged Lori under a number of different theories, particularly with the murder charge. The jury could say she aided. The jury could say she compelled. The jury could say she encouraged. And look, if they find that any of that exists, then yes, she could be found guilty of murder. However, This jury has to find that she did this beyond a reasonable doubt, our highest legal standard. And by giving the jury so many options, it's saying, jury, the prosecutors aren't even sure of what really happened here, but they're asking you to be sure. In my opinion, I think that's a good point by the defense. Okay, so now with all of that in mind, let's listen to some of the cross-examination of the prosecution witnesses, and we will start with lead detective Ray Hermosillo. Now, he would explain the intricacies of the investigation, how the bodies of the kids were discovered. He, I will tell you, went into graphic detail of that. It was very not easy to hear. And, of course, how investigators ultimately targeted Lori and Chad. But what the defense did was highlight what authorities don't have. Jumping back to the autopsy, you indicate that you were, you were there when uh, J.J.'s autopsy was done. Uh, was there any trace evidence collected on that particular day on June 11th from the autopsy? 
I we stood in the back. Um, the medical examiner didn't let us get too up close with. Uh, he had his team working around JJ, so I wasn't directly involved with the autopsy, so I can't answer to that. I just observed. Okay. At any time later after the autopsy was done, did you take trace evidence off of JJ's body? I did not know personally. Okay. Do you know anybody who did? I do not know personally anybody that did. Okay. You ended up getting a warrant the next day, is that right? <coughs> That's correct. And you found some guns and some magazines and some other paraphernalia. Uh, and when I say paraphernalia, I mean like weaponry, paraphernalia stuff like that. You understand? Correct. Uh, did you at any time during the investigation... Was there anything that led you to believe that Lori Vallow or Lori Daybell was involved in having those weapons or owned those weapons? No, sir. So how much ties back to Lori, right? This is just an example. They may have searched the garage, but none of those instruments are hers. I believe what the ultimate theme here and what they're ultimately trying to show is a lack of forensic evidence directly tying back to Lori Vallow Daybell. And look, that lack of forensic evidence can hurt a prosecution's case. And when you think about this case, really, it is very much a circumstantial evidence case. It's mostly based on Lori Vallow Daybill's eerie, questionable, arguably incriminating comments regarding the kids and Tammy, her allegedly lying, her refusing to turn the kids over, her asking her friend to lie for her, the questionable timeline, like Lori and Chad getting married two weeks after Tammy's death. Could a jury convict based on all of that? Sure, yes. But again, how much do these comments and actions show she conspired to kill and or was a direct principal in the killings? And that brings me to another important point, and that is regarding the death of Tammy Daybell. With regards to uh, the death of Tammy Daybell, um, Tammy Daybell died on October the 19th, 2019, as far as you know, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, and do you know where Lori Daybell was on... October the 19th, or I'm sorry, at that time she was Lori Vallow. Do you know where Lori Vallow was on October the 19th, 2019? I do. Where was she? Hawaii. Okay. Um, so she wasn't anywhere near Tammy Daybell when Tammy Daybell died? That's correct. And this is consistent with what Jim Archibald said in his opening statement, that Lori was in her apartment when the kids were killed at Alex Cox's apartment. This is all an alibi defense. Now, while a defendant doesn't necessarily have to be present at the crime scene to be found guilty of murder, or in Tammy's case, conspiracy to commit murder. By the way, all you need for conspiracy is really an agreement to kill, and someone as part of this agreement takes overt steps in furtherance of that plot. And for the murder of the kids, you don't have to actually be physically present at the crime scene. You could have encouraged or compelled someone to do it. Nonetheless, Lori not being there could support the defense's argument that she wasn't a part of Tammy Daybell's death or even the kids' deaths. Okay. Time to move on to Melanie Gibb, a crucial prosecution witness. Lori Vallow Daybell's former best friend. Former. Because she provided devastating testimony about Lori's warped beliefs about Lori 
thinking JJ and Tammy were possessed, that Lori asked her to lie to police about JJ's whereabouts, that Alex Cox told her, you don't want to know when asked about what happened to JJ. So when it was time to cross-examine Melanie Gibb, the defense team really tried to hit upon her credibility. Ms. Gibb, um, you've uh, met with the prosecution on several occasions over the last couple of years, right? Correct. Okay. When was the last time you met with them? A few years ago. I don't remember. I don't remember a few years ago. So you didn't meet with them in preparation for this uh, trial today? Not physically. What does that mean? I, I didn't meet face-to-face -face with them. Uh, I, I met on Zoom, but I, I was thinking about when I met with the officers down there. That's what I'm referring to. Okay. Sorry, I I, I wasn't thinking of just the, the interactions I had with Lindsay on Zoom. I was just thinking about an interaction I had physically with them. What was the last interaction you had with uh, either Ms. Blake or one of the other prosecutors? It was um, I'm trying to remember what month it was. Was it end of March, beginning of April, I believe? So this month? It could have been the very end of last month. Okay. Um, and did you go over your testimony with them? Yes. Okay. And prior to that, uh, when was the time before that that you met with the prosecution? It seemed, it felt like it was back in Chandler a few, like whatever, a year or two. I, I, I don't remember how long it's been now. It's been a while. Okay. Uh, when you went over this uh, with, you said, Ms. Blake, is that right? Correct. When you went over uh, your testimony with her, uh, were you as uh, forgetful as you've been today? Yes. Now, it seems to me the questions are, how much does she really remember about what happened? And maybe they're saying, is she a manufactured prosecution witness that will just say what she wants them to say? That's my take. Later on, defense attorney John Thomas also appeared to try to downplay the insidious nature of some of the religious beliefs and practices and statements of Lori Vallow-Daybell, and that includes the practice of casting, something that Lori and Melanie participated in to remove dark spirits from the body. Now, prosecutors are suggesting that this all goes towards Lori's twisted religious justification for killing those around her, but as Thomas seemingly tries to point out, maybe this is all more benign? And I believe you indicated something about disconnecting cords or trying to convince the spirit to leave the body. Yes. And it was all done with prayer? I, I think you can call it prayer. I, it's my best word. Okay. You're praying to God or your Heavenly Father to try to help you to get this evil spirit out of this person or... Uh, heal this person or do something like that. Is that right? That's where that's where you were going with that. Yes. Okay. Because I don't I don't want to put any words in your mouth. I just. Okay.
let's talk about zombies. So, um, there, you had heard Lori use the term zombie, right? Correct. This wasn't the first time that you've heard the word zombie, right? Well, it's a nation worldwide word, correct? Right. And it's been around for a while, at least the 1960s from what I can see, right? I believe so. I don't know when it started, but. But you've heard it growing up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, So when Lori talked about zombies, did you immediately think that they were going to die? No. No. Okay. What, what, what were your thoughts about that? Um, it was a bizarre teaching. I, think, I believe Lori thought it was bizarre at first, too. It was very um, something she'd never heard of in the context of how it was explained to her through Chad. And as they continue to strike at the credibility of key prosecution witnesses, that brings us to Zulema Pastenis. Zulema is the widow of Lori's deceased brother, Alex Cox. And she would testify that Lori told her JJ was going to have a short life. This is before he was actually killed. That Lori insinuated Tammy Daybell died because she and Chad received instructions on how to cast demons out. Zulema said that Alex told her he was afraid he was going to be Lori and Chad's fall guy before he died. Zulema even said that on the night that someone tried to shoot Tammy Daybell, yeah, someone tried to shoot Tammy, she survived. Zulema says that she overheard an angry Lori on the phone saying, idiot can't do anything right by himself, maybe in reference to Alex Cox. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So anyway. Zulema was an important witness for the prosecution, to say the least. Now, what did the defense do when they had an opportunity to cross-examine her? Well, it seems to me they're saying, hmm, can she really be trusted when she herself has some wild beliefs? Would you please tell us a little bit about some of your spiritual experiences while you were in the temple? Would you like me to relate anything in specific that you are referring to? Sure. One of, one of the ones uh, was specifically on... 12-4-2018, uh, it says, Hi, Chad, this is Zulema. I have to tell you that since you gave me that blessing, I've been having visions, full awake, no more dreams. My visions have been at the temple. I've had three so far. Do you, do you recall mm-hmm. that? Yes, so I tell do. me, tell me a little bit about some of those visions. 
Um, Judge, I'm going to object again about the specific visions. I'm not seeing the relevance about her visions unless they relate to Chad and Lori. Sure. Thank you. I am not exactly sure um, um, specifically um, which um, visions he would be um, that I was referring to at the time. Um, the, I mean, I can explain uh, one that that I remember. Um, I remember seeing myself in um, in a beautiful room um, with a big um, uh, table um, and I was sitting at the head of the table and there was all these um, children or people sitting. It was a very large table and um, that's what I saw. And there was a man sitting on the other end? Uh, yes. Okay. And you couldn't see his face? But he was a godlike being? Um, yes, a very light being. Mm-hmm. Look, my guess is they're trying to show that she herself may not be the most reliable narrator. But I also do wonder if the defense is suggesting that Chad's influence on those around him was so powerful that maybe they believed whatever he said and that maybe Lori was deceived by Chad and lied to from Chad about what was really going on with the kids. I don't know. That might be a little bit of a stretch. We'll see how this ties up later on in the case. But I believe, like they did with Melanie Gibb earlier in the case, through Zulema, the defense is trying to downplay the evil nature of Lori's beliefs, particularly what happens at these casting sessions. That yes, while they're trying to rid a body of dark spirits, that doesn't make someone a murderer. When you are doing these castings, um, and I... Is that what they were called? Is that what you called them, just castings? Yes. Okay. Uh, they were they were done spiritually, not physically. Am I right about that? Correct. Okay. You never you never physically harmed anyone or attempted to harm anyone, right? Correct. You were attempting to spiritually um, harm or bind the spirit of that particular person, right? Correct. Um, you were, uh, I guess, I guess I want to use the word light worker or someone who works for, uh, who was working in a spiritual realm for the lighter side. Is that, does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. Um, and this was, you didn't think that this was any, anything evil or anything bad? No. Okay. Not at the time. But, but you've since then come to think that it was evil or bad? There are two children that have died and a mother of five that have died. Um, I will consider that evil, yes, sir. Okay. And you believe that your casting out of spirits had some direct effect on two children that died and the spouse of another person that died? My belief is that... Um, I'm sorry, that's just a yes or no question. 
Objection. As it should be allowed to answer. And I think that council can handle that on redirect. So, uh, to my recollection, what you're saying is you believe that your uh, work on casting had a direct effect on the two children that died and the uh, spouse of the person died that died. Not my work, but Chad and Lori's work did. I think the point defense attorney John Thomas is trying to make is you can't just assume that if Lori was a part of this, she's responsible for what happened to the kids and Tammy Daybell. And again, is Zulema someone the jury really should believe based on her own practices and thoughts? That's my takeaway. Now let's move on to another big witness for the state, Colby Ryan. Colby Ryan is the sole surviving son of Lori Vallow Daybell from a prior relationship. He testified how his mother wouldn't tell him really what was going on when the kids were missing. There was a phone call that was played between him and Lori while she was in jail where she is laughing when talking about the kids, the dead kids, and how she says, you don't know what happened, you don't understand. She's seemingly throwing a lot of religious justification in there. It is a wild call where he's basically outright accusing her of being a murderer and she won't say what happened. We actually covered this on a previous sidebar. Encourage everybody to listen to that. So once again, on cross-examination, the defense, specifically Jim Archibald, honed in on Colby Ryan's credibility. And you wrote uh, a book uh, since uh, since this case started. Is that is that true? Yes. And the book is called The God Over Odds. Does that sound right? Yes. And you, what what is the purpose of your book? It's my testimony about how Jesus loves you about how he got me through my life and so Jesus is a is a good figure in your life yes not someone who would wreak damage to others no you uh, you also appeared on some some media stations is that right yes uh, some on YouTube? Um, yes. Was that your uh, God over odds media company? No. Okay. It, 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 is that still uh, uh, an ongoing concern, the media company? Or is Not that right a, now, no. Okay. And then you did uh, a docu-series, is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, were you paid for that? No. Okay. And... Uh, in your in this docu series, uh, let, let me read this quote, and you tell me if that's what you said. My mom has spent her whole life protecting us kids. Yes. After she met Chad, J- after she met Chad Daybell, she changed. I don't remember, but yes. Okay. And, and so those were the, this, you don't remember, but it, it, in that docuseries, could you said it, could have said that? Yes. So it seems to me that the argument that could be coming from the defense is whether Colby Ryan is benefiting 
from this case and his position against his mother. Jim Archibald then continues, and he's seemingly humanizing his client, Lori Vallow-Daybell, that she was a good mom and a good person. Did your mother, Lori, help you and Tylee with thoughts of lack of self-worth? Yes. Was your mother supportive of your decision to go on a mission and then to come home from a mission? Yes. Did she teach you about Jesus? Yes. Did you and your mother sing songs about Jesus? At church. Uh, did your mother teach you to believe in Jesus? <clears throat> she built the foundation. And uh, did she teach you about uh, multiple lives? Did you ever hear that from her? No. Did she teach you about zombies? No. Did she teach you about casting out evil spirits? No. You never once thought your mom would hurt someone. Is that fair to say? Yes. Did, did you love your mom? Yes. Did she love you? I think so. Reversing the narrative. A lot has been made about Lori Vallow Daybell. Did this change the jurors' impressions of her and what they have heard about her? Maybe her beliefs are not as nefarious as the prosecution would have you believe. Maybe she's not the person to kill her kids. I will say it's a bit tough to fully decipher what the defense has been doing in this case. This wall was my best crack at making sense of it. But hey, we still got a lot more trial to go and a lot more can happen. That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you.